This podcast features three supposed adults who definitely use adult language. They're also supposedly writers who are definitely not procrastinating by making this podcast. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to No Bad Ideas, the storytelling game show where we take the worst ideas from the internet and try to turn them into stories that are actually good. My name is Gabriel Urbina. I am your first Bad Ideas host. My name is Sarah Shackett. I'm your second Bad Ideas host. And my name is Zach Valenti, your third Bad Ideas host. And we are joined once again by the brilliant writer, podcaster, comedian, creator, voice of Eric Chapman, and so many other wonderful characters, our friend and collaborator, it's Mr. Tom Crowley. It's me. Hello, everyone. It's him. In, Tom enjoy Crowley. the things. That's what I say. You do. Yeah. <laughs> that is, it's, it's, it's wild. You know, like they, they always say that you get a little tightened up in editing, but it's wild to hear the raw takes versus this is the what, raw the, take. in, what the overcoats hey, editor make of it. Enjoy every the stuff with your life. <laughs> That's how it usually comes out. They have to do some, uh, some clever work. Luckily, we have amazing producers, amazing producers. Yeah, we fix it in post. That's right. Yeah, just Frankenstein yeah. take. They take one word at mm-hmm. a time from all the takes and just piece together what you know and love uh, from the podcast. <laughs> Andy and James are just wizards. They they are they are able to do everything. They're incredible. Yeah, they actually hired a whole different actor to play me playing Eric Chapman, which is is what you hear on the uh, on the podcast because they they thought that was the smartest solution, and, and gosh darn it, they were right. And little did you know that that actor. Was me. Oh my god! It's my face. It's my face. <laughs> uh, great stuff. Uh, if you, if dear listeners, if you do not listen to Wooden Overcoats, everything that just happened is fucking funny. It was so well, funny. And what's wrong with you? P.S. But also, what's wrong with you? Listen to Wooden Overcoats. <laughs> yeah. Uh, folks, Getting this is... in the first minute. This is crazy. Uh, this is No Bad Ideas, the show where we take bad ideas, try to turn them into pitches for good stories in just 10 minutes. Um, and um, Mr. Crowley, you are you are stepping into the gladiator ring this time. You are bringing us a bad idea, is that correct? I'm bringing you the bad idea. Yes, I am. I have one. How, 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 how alarmed should we be on a scale of 1 to 10? How scared? I'm not scared, I don't think. I mean, if anything, I that feel like this scared. is... Oh, well. Should I mean, we be more you, disappointed? You should be scared as makes you comfortable. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think probably. Um, well, okay, so cool. this is a, yeah. a fun little story. Uh, it's it's not hugely dramatic, and I think the drama is what we'd have to impose mm-hmm. on it. But I want to hear what you guys have to offer. Uh, and am I allowed to contribute as well once I've put it of forward? Course. I forget? Yeah, okay, great. So You're also allowed to just cackle with glee at our inability to do things. But if you would like... Just Dance like puppets! Yeah, that's what I'll do. Um, <laughs> here we go. So the the tune to which I'm making you puppets dance is from Reuters, again, the world's finest purveyor of uh, actually true news. And here we go. The headline is, Big Cat's droppings help German circus weather coronavirus oh crisis. My. Those God. are all words. I yep. see. So... The long and short of this story is that this particular zoo, which is in Germany's Krone Circus, that's K-R-O-N-E, Krone, mm-hmm. uh, they are selling jarfuls of lion poo to kind of help raise funds for this the zoo. I call during... it bullshit, but it's definitely cat shit. It's true, man. Let me tell you, it's... it's... <laughs> it's, it's big, I had big no idea uh, there was a market. So here we go. Yeah, it turns out there yeah, who, is. So who who 
Of all the things that you could want from a lion, why this one? Well, they don't. I'll explain. So they they don't give you a volume in this article, which I think is a shame for anyone like me who might want to order online. But um, the jars of lion uh, droppings and other big cats, uh, they sell for five euros each. And uh, the uh, so Lacey, I don't know who Lacey is. Who's Lacey? ah? Lion tamer Martin Lacey. Martin Lacey's the guy setting this thing up. And he says, uh, so the pop-up shop is is partly a way to give people a few laughs as well as keeping some money ticking over uh, while the coronavirus crisis carries I on see. so they can keep okay. the zoo open. And um, yeah, oh, as a sidebar, by the way, did you guys... It could be. Well, possibly, yeah. I mean, I think, I think it does have a practical purpose, which we'll get to. But firstly, did you guys see that, uh, I believe in London Zoo, the animals are bored because there are no people I to did? look at during the coronavirus. prima yeah. donnas. That's, I know, I know. Wow. They need they're desperate for entertainment. So other animals have been given tours of the zoo to go and have a look. And there was just a wonderful <laughs> uh, picture I saw of an elephant looking so happy as it stared at a manatee in a tank, yeah. which was Aww. sort of looping around for its benefits, going, ah! What's that? It was great. So if you look up that wow. story, that's animals, they're just like us. But anyway, so they are very much, I mean, we, we are the zoo for them when the zoo is operational. This is what yeah. you don't yeah. think about. Um, so here we go. Who's really in the cage? It's the animals. They're the mm-hmm. ones in the cage because we can leave. Um, so anyway, home to 26 lions and tigers. The circus found an unusual side income. Here we are. Now, uh, lion tamer Martin Lacey uh, tells us that customers have told him that they swear by the stuff. I am told, this is a quote from Martin Lacey. To I am told what? it, sorry, I'll do the accent. I am told it keeps cats away from the garden. And since then, we have learned also that it keeps the animals away from the car where they eat all the electric cables. So um, this is the practical use is that big cat poo deters smaller, smaller cats, cats who go, that's it, I would like to <laughs> eat the cables practical. out. The, the, the German cats are thinking, I would love to eat the cables out of your transmission box. Thank you, yeah. But I don't want to be blindsided by the big lion and it chew out all of my guts and thing. And so the cats think that and then they stay away from your car. If you put some cat... All you have to do is slather it in sure. lion shit and your car is safe. So, and there's a little joke at the end of the article as well. Uh, and uh, if you don't have a garden pest problem but you find your neighbours are pesky, put some of this lion business in the garden and the neighbours will go away, Lacey chuckles. So, right. I mean, with a name like Martin Lacey, he's probably from, from Slough. But uh, anyway, it's, I'd like to picture him as, as a, a German man called Martin Lacey. Uh, but anyway, so that's the story. And I think that, I mean, obviously I want to see what you guys would make out of it. I have my own ideas, but first let's, let's turn to you, you regular host. Well, first Gabriel has to what would recover. You do? I know, I need, I need to. <laughs> I found Gabriel's, Gabriel's uh, secret trigger. This is the way to get straight to the heart of Orbino. I need to compose myself. I reach my am, long-nailed fingers through your lot. chest and grip you by the heart and squeeze and squeeze and squeeze. <laughs> so hang on one second. <laughs> this all makes a lot more sense now. Yeah. Is cats eating the electrical wiring of cars really this alarming high-pressure problem? That the Maybe there's a story in that. Yeah. yeah, maybe. I don't know. Uh, I have literally never heard of that. Like, I've never sort of had that situation where... Oh, come on, man. Like, why are you 20 minutes late to this meeting? Oh, sorry. I found out that my cat had eaten my, you know, car's wiring. And so my Gearbox, car wouldn't yeah. start this morning. It's a real step up from the dog ate my homework. The cat mm-hmm. ate my car. It's it's, right. it's even <laughs> less believable, really. Oh, 
Uh, well, it says it says it keeps oh. the animals away from the car, so I don't right, know. Right, right, right. Germans what do things do are like, like their cars quite a bit. Um, oh they just don't God. want the animals near. Yeah, with that Vorsprung Dutch technique, yeah. uh, they they don't want any cats coming and ruining their Vorsprung Dutch technique. Right, anyway, great. Tom, do us a favor. Start a ten-minute clock. Oh boy, to... yeah, I, I'm responsible for this. This is a lot of responsibility. Hang on a second. Let me just. Yes. Uh, oh I just need God. to get the timer up here. And these, then now I can't do it. Cats. Okay, go. I first I needed that laugh. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, that was great. Second, something about big cat shit made me think of it like like the weapons industry or like the pharmaceutical mm-hmm. industry, like and like big pharma, but right? Like big right. Cat like shit. suddenly, like we we're in a world <laughs> big cat where poo, guys we rebranded. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, where big cat poo is, you know, the the vested interest in world affairs and uh, has been engineered to solve a myriad of human problems. Um, but obviously there's something dirty at the heart of this global industry. Yeah. Something very dirty. I hear that. I like that. Um, trying to think about like who is kind of our protagonist, who's kind of our way into that world. Um I mean, I, I, I like feel I like we should incorporate Martin Lacey in some aspect of the story. Um, yeah, he's very excited to be a part of the project. <laughs> uh, and I think it's it's a question of um, sort of if, uh, is it a story of like how um, this sort of enterprising lion tamer discovered, uh, I think, extended properties of, of uh, Big Catchit uh that maybe go beyond what's in the article. Mm. Um, and like, then it's a story of, of building an empire and losing your soul along the way. Um, or is it like, he is like the scrappy underdog who's challenging big cat poo. Um, for, I mean, I, for some I, other use, I, but, I don't know. I'm not used to it yet. Not Both used to are it yet. very good. I do really like the like reskinned Burt's bees, f- uh, company formation story, but with cat shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Do the customers necessarily know that what they're consuming, you know, they get right. BC, BCP organic uh, oatmeal. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. if you really scour the ingredients list, it's like cat shit, but brackets 100%. It's just like my skin, so soft. Right. Yeah, that's right. It works really yeah. well. Yeah, it's very I haven't nutritious. gotten sick in months. Mm, precisely. So I think we may need to begin with why does Martin find himself in possession of so much cat shit? Is he in big cat shit mm-hmm. of that, uh, or big cat poo? Uh, is he Be still secret. a lion tamer, or um, does, or you know, is it a different profession? Is he a zookeeper? Is he something more unseemly? Uh, does he just kind of inherit? A he inherits lot of... the German circus as one does. Of course, of course. <laughs> yeah, it's normal. Yeah, I like zookeeper, and like this becomes like the moonlighting job, and then when the the tigers get to keep the zoo when the tigers keep the funding but then the tigers get lent out or like are brought into a conservatory or something because there's like you know the the activists have their way with for you know conservation and then he's like shit out of luck because what's he gonna do for his bcp that's the title of the movie yes absolutely (laughs) shit out of luck (laughs) It can be one of those embarrassing ones where they have to censor it on the poster and you go, well, the impact is lost if you have to put star in the word shit. So, right. bad luck. But it leans into it. And that's, um, that's I think, the, uh, the uh, intellectual tone we should be striving for. 
No, but I, I, I think that we can just slightly change the name of him so that he's called now Martin Schick. Mm. So it can be Schick out of luck. Schick out there of you luck. Are. That's great. Yeah, I think that's the way you tiptoe and tap dance around that uh, somehow both at the same time. So is he is he beginning from sort of a uh, quarantine? The the zoo, his beloved zoo that he runs is, is uh, uh, about to go bankrupt. Is that where we're starting? I think so. Yeah. Uh, something has happened, whether it's the plague or something else. But for whatever reason, the zoo needs to close down for a year. No one will be able to visit the zoo, the zoo for a year. Um, so now the zoo needs to make money. And that, you know, chimpanzee webcam is not making the big bucks <laughs> that we all hoped it would. Uh, so we need to get creative people. Not just with our accounting, Bob. Like, we need to actually do something that is going to make money. <laughs> I think an interesting question here then is like, where do you put the start and end? You know, is this just your inciting event? You know, trying to sell uh, lion and tiger poo for um, you know for a profit? Is that your beginning, or is that what he stumbles upon as a plan? He stumbles across the right. poo, which I hear is supposed to be lucky. Uh, but is that like the start of the movie, and then it turns out it becomes immensely popular as a sort of ironic, uh, amusing little artifact to have in your house? Ideally in a sealed mm-hmm. jar, I expect. And, you know, then he becomes the the the, the tiger poo king. Indeed. So I think the Maybe. Intu- I, I think the intuitive answer is someone that he works with is like a gardener or something and they volunteer, like, you know, oh I've been growing this like aloe vera cream, we could sell that. The first person that buys that a hilarious wacky mix up happens. And they mm-hmm, accidentally mm-hmm. ship them a jar of cat poo instead of a jar of the aloe vera or whatever it is. And they realize what the problem is. They rush to their house to tell them, oh, my God, we made a terrible accident. And when they get there, she tells them, you know, like, I tried it. It was the best one. It's worked far better than any of the other ones that I've tried. This is a great product. And I think you have to have realize. the image of, okay, knock, 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 knock. Okay, maybe it's not too late. And then door opens and she's there with a mud pack of, yep, exactly. we, you know what, just all over. I think that'd be good. Yep, 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 yep. Um, but yeah, but I think that the first sale needs to be an accidental success. And that's, that's when kind of yeah. the tumblers click and the gears start turning. And, and then it becomes like a purposeful ruse. Yeah. Yes. Big scam. Yeah. Um, and I think that they need they, they, they need to kind of, it starts off as just a beauty agent or something, but the longer they keep going, the more it's sort of, you know, like, you know, it's um, our fortified solution. It's, you know, it's good for your skin, helps with, you know, like helps to degrease your windows, helps to, um, you know, clear up any blockages in your car. Uh, it's a mild, <laughs> it's the know, wonder it's a, product, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a light explosive. Yeah. Um, but and thematically, so guys, what what are we hoping to explore about Martin Lacey? Is it like, are we looking for him to have Martin a kind Schick, of Martin Schick, Tom? Come on, Martin. Sorry, uh, the fictional character Martin Schick from Kentucky. Uh, <laughs> does he uh, end up sort of becoming this overnight success, and he loses sight of the zoo, or maybe the product is not being produced at a fast enough rate to meet the demand, and he exploit has to, the animals. You know, he no. ends up trying to entice the animals mm, right. to produce more. I, I, I think it's a combination of these things. I, I think he flies too close to the sun, and when Costco approaches him for uh, wholesaling, uh, yeah. he bites off more than he can chew, or rather, more no, than the cats can poo. Yep. <laughs> 
so wait, so does he need to like buy <laughs> more than he can poo? That's the title of the movie. Does he need uh, to buy more cats and then like make space at the other enclosure so the gorillas need to have a like tragic accident? But oh look, now it's an empty enclosure where we can put our new lions. But I think I'd like to have a moral compass character that we should introduce, who is, I think, someone who is uh, maybe a sort of a gentle giant type, who is a gorilla enclosure zookeeper. Right. Sort of, you know, mirroring the, just as Martin Schick's uh, Schick Out of Luck has the sort of the razor sharp uh, entrepreneurialism of a big cat, this person has the sort of slow, quiet authority of a gorilla. To offer a less dark solution, I think rather than off the gorillas to make room for tigers, Mm. he starts using other animal poo, masquerading it as the Ah, magical uh, tiger poo, and uh, and that that causes problems. Suddenly people are getting E. coli. (laughs) (laughs) For whatever reason, it wasn't something. You said less dark, (laughs) and and you... (laughs) Delivered question? Uh, <laughs> the coronavirus origin story is what we've just written. Jesus. Oh, no. I hate it. Oh, oh my fuck. god. Yeah, you're right. This is awful. Um I like the idea of I like the what I like about it though, about this direction you guys are taking this in, is that you have the scene later on where someone says, you know, he's up in front of the World Health Organization and they have to say, you know, just just what is the miracle product you've been selling worldwide that's made you these millions? And he says, well, it's shit. And they go, you mean it's not of the highest standard? And he goes, no, it's shit. You know, like it's, and it's, you have that whole scene where right. the world realizes they've right. been putting just various zoo animals we, crap in their cars. We can get a solid what's on first scenario, you know, sort of yeah. like, right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, are you, are you, are you right. saying it's not worth anything? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, it's no, very expensive. Shit. Like, that's, that's what it is. That's pejorative. Shit. We understand that you're upset. If you could just, just please just get elaborate. Yeah. No. Yeah, and I think that's it's. A, I think it's a good rags to riches, back to rags again story where the guy, is, <laughs> he's he's maybe he saved the zoo, and that's still not undone by the end of the movie. But he overshot. But he he. This is this is a guy, and we would have to adjust. Uh, who who's had ambitions for this zoo and like for himself yeah. as as a administrator and those are um humbled and he ends up being content with like the small um happy place that he has where he keeps animals in cages it's great either i that. agree and that's time oh can i just say one last thing oh yeah go for it Gabriel. i'll allow it but watch yourself either, counselor either that or it's a rags to riches to bars story where he ends up in jail at the end of it and now he is the person that lives in a cage oh that's it and there's a webcam yeah, that's nice. that and watches guards... him oh no oh, that's yeah. good yeah that's his ultimate ironic punishment and uh yeah and then a guard comes by and points at his toilet that's right next to his bed and says try selling that chick and then that's your end that's of your out his ultimate humiliation wow. Classic. Nice. Wow. There we are. I love it. So, shit out of luck. Uh, <laughs> we've got a commission. That's another green light. Three for three, including the previous episodes offerings. Which which commissioner are we bamboozling with these ideas? David K. Barnes. Tom? Ah, yeah, David. Done David done. would have. Perfect. Yeah, he'll do anything. Liquored him up with we'll cat, big cat shit. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Lick, <laughs> grease him up with big oh. cat shit, and then watch him run. All right, uh, let's take a break and see if we can kind of reset our um, sensors <laughs> away from this. Uh, I'm too far gone now. 
we'll be back for a conversation with Tom about how he does that thing that he does so well. Thank you very much, and see you then. Sarah here. I am breaking into the show for just a moment uh, to let you know about No Bad Ideas Patreon page. Yes, Patreon. If you have never listened to an independent podcast before, welcome. We welcome time travelers who have figured out how to use smartphones here at No Bad Ideas. Patreon is a wonderful service that helps independent artists and creators go directly to their audiences to help support their art. We have a page. It's very funny. There are lots of cool rewards and stretch goals there. You can find the entire back catalog of No Bad Ideas. It's a very cool place. And you can head there by going to nobadideaspodcast.com slash support. Check it out. It's a lot of fun. And so is the rest of this episode. So uh, we'll get back to it. But again, if you would like to support us on Patreon, head to nobadideaspodcast.com slash support. And welcome back, everybody. We are now very poofery and ready to chat about creativity. Um, Speak for yourself, mate. <laughs> <laughs> the bullshit only starts here. That's right. <laughs> yes. Mm. Oh, yes. Is it too late to get off the episode? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Run for it. But no, uh, Tom, we have you here. Uh, you are, um, again, sort of one of these, um, what we in this business call annoyingly gifted people um Ooh, because you. you know when you say that you have a one-man sketch comedy show i think that usually that means oh one person is doing all the voices in your case you write it you do all the voices you yep. do the music for it you edit it you do mm. the art for it um yep. you personally go to the house of everyone that listens to it and you massage their shoulders that's as right, they yes. listen it's to part it of the service yeah 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 um, cause I care about my listeners actually. So yeah, we don't do that. Yeah. No, we, we, we don't give a shit. Cynical, cynical yeah. people. <laughs> um, but yeah, but it would be great to talk a little bit about sort of your process in creating this madness that is Crowley time. And, you know, we talked a little bit in the previous episode about, um, your love for sketch comedy. When mm. you sit down to write a sketch what comes first is it a real world situation that you're kind of looking at and going how can this be satirized are you beginning with a character are you beginning with kind of a punchline in search of a setup sort of where does the master begin this is the wankiest answer I could possibly give, but good, I actually get good. to take inspiration from many different areas of life. <laughs> um, no, it's it's sort of it's it's true though. It's it's uh, it's an interesting thing where I always one really amazing thing about doing Crowley time is it really felt like it was uh, plugging a void which, in terms of comedy, had been there for many many years, and it's something I think I had tried to to fill that 
space with doing stand-up comedy and stuff. And my problem was always that I would try... I always had little notebooks. Well, I still do have notebooks with me when I, whenever I go out, which is never at the moment. Indeed. But when I used to go out, I would have a notebook. And, and I would sometimes just sit there and try... Just, stuff didn't come to me, really, when it came to trying to structure gags for stand-up and stuff. Whereas envisioning a sketch is just comes way more easily. It might be because I've always enjoyed writing dialogue, multiple characters, and, and the kind of one-sided conversation that stand-up is with an audience. I've never quite connected with it. And I don't know. I think I also... I never found that voice necessarily, or at least not to my own satisfaction. I've, I've certainly done shows... I ran a variety show for a long time, which I loved doing because I got to be the host, and that was almost a character in itself. And um, likewise, you, you find a character for yourself to be in stand-up. Which, and I like doing an hour, which I did a few times, called uh, Tom Crowley's Mass... Uh, and I like doing that partly because it had a, a uniting central premise, which was uh, it was the, the the Church of England mass reappropriated right. for comedy. Every segment of that mass changed into what's the comedy version of this. And also because that came with a kind of me elevating myself to a sort of preacher position, which itself, again, is a status. It's a character. But in terms of just getting up there and going, hi, I'm me. Here's 10 minutes of stuff about... Hey, did you notice about men and women and how they're different in that? Like, I just, I couldn't how ever about find the right that angle. weather? Boo! Like, I just could never really find <laughs> my, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my right angle with that stuff. And, and but then, so I, this actually was a sort of a decision point where I started doing Crowley Time and I committed to doing this stand-up hour and I enjoyed doing it. But I just found myself with no incentive to book in more dates to do live gigs and hmm. only wanting to write sketches. And uh, I'll get onto the actual question that you asked me uh, in in just a second. But I started out writing. The clock is ticking, Tom. Oh my god, ten minutes! Uh, I <laughs> I started out in a sketch group, and that started with uh, me and my friends from school, Toby Wilson and Jack Bernhardt, both still brilliant writers. Uh, just hanging out as like you know young teenagers and and using the microphones on our computers, terrible you know little desktop mics to record little skits and edit them together in audacity. You know, so I've except for getting better hardware and software, I, I haven't evolved really. But it's a journey that's taken us uh, as the group. Sad faces. We did a, a bunch of Edinburgh shows and and things and loads and loads of live performance and. Along the way, during that whole process, I met the team behind Wooden Overcoats and we also started working on that. Uh, in the end, we, we, we sort of packed up sad faces because we felt we kind of done had our time with that act and with doing the live circuit. Mm-hmm. But still, sketches is, is just a language that I had trained myself uh, very keenly with the help of these other two brilliant people who I owe a lot of my early comedy education to, Toby and Jack. Uh, we we just developed this sense of that's how you structure stuff. And also, I think just the amount of stuff I watched that was sketch as a kid and still continue to do so now, uh, you know, wherever you can find it, it's less prevalent, especially in the UK now. But it's always it's always something I love and, and want to consume all of. And I think it's, it's just a way of finding that it's just a different comic language. And, and what occurs to me is that if if I were feeling this way about doing sketch and stuff, if I didn't want to do live, I didn't have a group, and I and I uh, and I wanted to do sketch comedy. Uh, and this was if it was before YouTube and and social media and podcasting. I the only option I would have is to get a Radio Four show, which as right. you're probably aware is quite a challenge, especially if you're not already well known. So uh, it occurred to me how lucky I am that this medium has sort of 
not only it been invented, but also grown and expanded in line, you know, just in time for me to sort of go, oh, I want to do that. And now I like it. So that's that's how it is. Well, but in terms of where ideas come from, I think it's it's just that it comes from the same places that all ideas come from, you know, things you observe and uh, stuff about the world you find either annoying. I have found it really nice to have Crowley time as an outlet for stuff I find annoying because yeah. I don't like I don't like ranting on Twitter. I I do sometimes. I try not to. Right. But I always if I do I try to make it funny at least. Um but I in that way that just feels like screaming into a void just into this huge pit of just nothing. And at worst at worst you'll just annoy a few people who will hate you and they hated you already. And at best uh, some people that you already know agree with you will agree with you. It achieves nothing. But when you do a sketch about it and you take a situation, uh, a sort of social norm or a, a political thing, and you warp it around a kind of strange, silly, accessible sketch, whenever I've done that, I feel like I've had my say. I mean, not as if, you know, <laughs> all that many people are listening enough to really change any minds. I'm sure I haven't. But at the same time, I go, I at least feel like I've had the chance and the platform to explore whatever it is about that thing that bothers me. Uh, that's the main thing I've noticed. But yeah, in terms of ideas, it can just be, I mean, sometimes it's just a funny voice. Uh, and I can tell you that Martin Schick is going to be making some appearances. No, he's not. Good. But, you know, <laughs> damn, it's, damn that's, it. it's just that sort of inane rubbish like thinking oh, i'd like being a funny german accent that can just be enough sometimes i was about to say like uh, i feel that one of the things that i really like about the sketches that you do is that there is this sense of oh this is something that we are observing and that we're trying to grapple with but it is dramatized and it is set in motion um mm. recently i think in sort of the first episode that you did after we all I think got locked up in our homes for a couple of months there was a sketch that was someone kind of coming up and going hey you know look we need to talk it's me your friend Kev from down at the pub yeah and uh, you know I've been hearing that you've been doing all of these things because your friend Kev down at the pub told you that this that and the other is true and Honestly, you know, I don't know why you would do that. It's not like I am a, you know, particularly well-informed or even yeah. knowledgeable person, unless you're talking yeah. about freight loading. Um, and I thought, oh my God, that's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. such a great That's way. funnier than what I wrote, but yeah, that's the gist of it, yeah. Uh, that, well, that, but, was, that was such an interesting thing, because, like, that was the recurring bit in that episode, is kept yeah. from the pub, checked back in. How do you, how, do, do you sort of just, like, listen to your gut about like, oh, this is a character that's going to come back or this is the thing that's going to be the spine for a show. Well, that was, I mean, it, it wasn't Kev specifically, but it was Kev-like people. It was, I, I think that was almost me trying to impose logic and reason on a series of different, mm. um, The sec and I, I kind of went like, you know, because you always think about, especially in the sort of advent of, you know, the internet spreading insane conspiracy theories incredibly quickly to lots of people, you think like, the internet has basically become your mate from down the pub who says, no, it's true. I've got a cousin that works at MI5 and the Taliban actually are, uh, they have started a cell in Lewisham. And you go, I don't think they have, uh, but it's, it's that kind of same spirit, but just with a louder megaphone. Yeah. But it still appeals to all the same kinds of personalities and it's still the same sorts of people that create that stuff. And I think it was just that I, I wanted to, I started with Kev from down the pub because I thought that was the most relatable version and I thought it was then funny to apply that first to someone on Twitter. The second one is like, hello, it's me, someone on Twitter. 
And it's the same exact logical reasoning, essentially. Yeah. The third one was your dad. Right. And it's like, I thought that was a nice... I, so often it's just joke theory, right? It's like the rule of three. And if I thought of that first one, I thought, this is quite funny, but I feel like it needs something extra. Because I, I, it, I sort of wanted to take that attitude of going... Hey, don't hey, don't go blowing up any five G towers on my account because I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. You know, I wanted that kind of somebody coming forward and someone actually. It's a sort of almost a paradise fantasy of someone having the humility to come forward and say, "Oh, sorry, I actually have no idea what I'm saying, so right. don't ever take it seriously." I don't know, but that yeah, I think in that case it was like maybe I just thought the the first sketch was inadequate and it needed more follow up. I don't know, but it's, I think it's case by case and you don't, I think there's also a sort of subliminal element of episode planning because mm. it's all written and produced sort of as it goes. I haven't written and uh, produced loads of it in advance and backed it up. You know, it's always just as it, as it comes. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think a part of me goes, a well, man I've after got our this. own heart. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of us find ourselves, yeah, just constantly feeding the, uh, the content machine. That's, uh, that's our lives. But uh, yeah, I think it, it, there's an element where I go, okay, what have I got? I've got one monologue sketch with a recurring character. I've got one sketch that's kind of about a political thing. What do I, what else do I need? And so you, know, you you find yourself going, well, I've already got one running gag in the episode, so I don't need another one of those. So what what works as a one off? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I do have a sort of running list in in Evernote of of just ideas for bits of nice. rally time. And sometimes I'll dip into that and pull one out. And, and but, but I must say, most of the time. Well, no, I was going to say most of the time the ones that are good stay with me, but actually, some I'm sure you guys will have this as well, where sometimes you'd go back, you know, a few months in the in the notebook and go, oh, that's good, and like, oh, I forgot I thought of that, and yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a mix, but I think there is it's mostly whatever I think is funniest and and what I reckon I can make in time to put it in the episode. Hmm. Fair. As somebody who uh, was considering signing up for a sketch class. I'm curious mm. what your uh, abbreviated masterclass on sketch writing might include as far as advice goes. Well, so, uh, yeah, I, I sing from the same hymn sheet very much as, as Gemma Arrowsmith, who uh, whose sketch classes you could do, Zach, because uh, she runs them uh, for Hoopla Improv. I haven't taken these sketches, but I know Gemma very well. And I've also covered some classes for her. And um, so, yeah, you can do these classes over Zoom now, worldwide, if you're awake at the time they take place. Hey. So, uh, yeah, Gemma Arrowsmith for Hoopla Improv. But I, I, I've done sessions on podcasting specifically uh, for her. But anyway, so I, I've covered classes for her. And um, uh, I've also seen some of her teaching sessions and things. And uh, some of the best advice she has, I think, in a very potted way is who, what, where. That's your first step. You want to set up in the first couple of lines who's who these people are where they are and what's going on. So, you know, a who, what, where can be something as simple as, you know, two people on stage, uh, one guy with his hands held out and who just turns to the other one and says, scalpel. You go, oh, we're in an operating theater. It's one word, but it tells you everything. Yeah. You know, and you can also then completely undermine that and uh, go, what do you mean, scalpel? We're driving in the Kentucky Derby. Whatever you want. But you have the who, what, where, and you need to you need to, to set that up as quickly as possible. Uh, and after that, you have escalation. You want the action to escalate as quickly as possible. And then you have your punchline. Ideally, sketches are less than three, ideally two minutes. I break that rule all the time because it's my show and no one can tell me otherwise. But, you know, yeah. really good tight sketches are around that area. And I also think maybe the most important lesson, and I think this applies to every medium ever, is tell the story clearly because that's a very underrated skill 
I think. <laughs> yes. And I yes. so but so often you you see it in these huge TV shows where you go I don't really understand what's happening. And I don't think it's my fault. I don't think I've missed anything. I just think and that that applies to sketches as well. You know, because if you have a really really clever sketch that's all about how uh, influencers uh, aren't interested in huge tragedies, they're just promoting their brand. You know, if you don't give us those key factors at the beginning of the sketch and then keep the 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 agenda of the sketch consistent throughout it, then people are just going to leave really confused. Uh, so that's a really big one. Um, I have a theory that there are only four types of punchline as well, hmm. which I've just I've gone into in teaching. I, it's a working theory. It's a uh-huh. working progress. But <laughs> my, my theory is... You've got four kinds of, of punchline. You've got escalation, where you suddenly increase the ridiculousness of what's happening with the final line. You've got the undercut. And if you've been escalating the silliness very consistently throughout, you can't escalate. You have to then undercut. Yep. There's non sequitur. And I've forgotten the fourth one. So that's the <laughs> that's my grand unified Great. theory. The mystery about one. Punchlines. Uh, the what? The mystery Mystery the mystery, one. the mystery answer. Yeah, what is the th- what is the third one? Um, oh, sorry, of course it's pull back and reveal. Obviously, that's the first one. Mm. Pull back and reveal. So where you just go, oh, actually, this situation isn't what you thought it was, and then you right, expose the extra thing that makes it funny. That's the Kentucky Derby. That's the Kentucky Derby. Case in point. What do you mean, scalpel? I'm trying to drive this space rocket. You know, it's that stuff. That's your <laughs> that's your pull yeah. back and reveal. It's also kind of a non sequitur. They cross bleed basically. But I genuinely have like I've taught this in in classes. I've taught I've taught some sketch classes on my own and and for Gemma's course. But you know, it, it's surprisingly helpful. I think not least because punchlines in sketches are one of those things that people I think they think they think they're just magic. You know, they think punchlines are just these magic things. And if you can't magically think of one, then you've screwed it up and you're just not funny. But the fact of the matter is, it's as formulaic, or it can be as formulaic as any other part of, of writing. You know, it, what it actually is, you have to use your creativity for. But you can go, oh, well, I have these two old ladies on a bench talking. What approach is best to use here? If it's like a one-upmanship sketch where they're trying to outdo each other, you know, they're talking about their grandkids or something. Oh, my grandkid can is only two and he can already do algebra. Oh, my, my grandkid's only one and he can already dance the Charleston, you know, whatever, like, and then it escalates, escalates. Then you you go, okay, what's the funniest thing to happen here? Do we pull back and reveal that they're actually uh, bickering and they shouldn't be because they're doing a TED talk at the same time? Do you pull back, <laughs> you know, what do you do? Do you do you escalate it so ludicrously that it's it's funny or do you undercut it? You know, what, what, what are you going to do? And I think so often just applying the sense of, uh, well, here are some things, even if there are more than just four and I'm wrong, I think applying those tests and and giving yourself ways to start thinking i mean that's such a huge key in all creativity is you know un- making it a little less mysterious demystifying it a bit so yeah. you don't feel afraid of starting to think about it because you you have some places to start you you don't assume you're going to fail straight away anyway that's my potted class so uh there you go incredibly was, valuable actually well good i'm glad and i hope that whoever you are taught by does half as good a job so, <laughs> as me but yeah all right tom we could stay here and talk with you about comedy and sketches and radio and german cats all day long um we hope that we'll get to do this again sometime but love i'm it. afraid that that love it. is probably the time that we have for this episode of no bad ideas um, i've got 10 more minutes of cat poo material why why are we stopping now that's, oh. that's for the patreon extras patreon extras. Ah, great that's great, great. Yes. promise that they are going to ask <laughs> <laughs> 
Tom, if people want to uh, find your work and more of your own material, what's the best places for them to do that? Well, you can find me on every social media platform. Well, the main ones anyway. Uh, probably not on that. What's the one that all the people that get cancelled from Twitter go to? Parlay, is that it? I've literally never I've heard no of this. Clue. It's the yeah. only one I think that it only I exists. have heard of is Gab. Um, Let's say Gab or Parlay. I'm not on there because I haven't yet been yeah. thrown off Twitter for being a dick. <laughs> but um, it's coming. It's coming one day. I'll be on mm. Parlay then. Anyway, so uh, you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and, and various other things uh, at a Tom Crowley, as in not the Tom Crowley, a Tom Crowley, all one word. Uh, and uh, that's on. Yeah, that's on everything. And and I think uh, the main thing I would implore people to do, especially because we know that they're podcast listeners because they're listening to this podcast, is find my sketch comedy podcast Crowley Time. There's 12 episodes out of it already, as I say. There's also a new improv-y miniseries, which is going out now. Uh, well, it's probably already out by the time this is released, but you never know. Anyway, so there's, there's that coming out now. Uh, but 12 episodes of the, the one-man sketch goodness are already available. That's about five hours of sketch comedy that you can just have for free right now. Uh, lots of people like it, including some famous people like Rufus Hound. It turns out that Rufus Hound, famous <laughs> British comedian, wow. likes my podcast. That's as is Tony Law, a famous Canadian British comedian. He also likes my podcast, I found out. Man There's no way for me to... A taste. That's right. There's no way for me to turn that into more listeners, but uh, I'm going to try and do it now. So anyway, <laughs> people, people old and young, famous and not famous, all agree. Crowley time with me, Tom Crowley, is sketch excellence at its very finest. And I defy you to find fault with it. We but if you do, tweet me at a Tom Crowley. So there we go. Man, when are you going to run out of gauntlets to throw? I just, you, I'm you just dropping them left the and right. One. I have a whole cupboard full of gauntlets. I mean, but every every Englishman does. This is the thing they don't tell you. My gauntlet cupboard's just there for smacking in people's faces. The postman's late. Just bang! Let's have a deal. You know, yes, if, the English notoriously confrontational with their gauntlets. That's right. Oh yes, yes. I say sorry Man. afterwards. I'm so sorry <laughs> for the uh, the hard hit supply chain of gauntlets in this time that's of COVID. Right. Bang! Bang! Got to reuse gauntlets. Yeah, exactly. That's well. I have to use them, disinfect them, and then pick them up and hit someone again, and it just slows the whole process down. I'm absolutely Mm -hmm. livid. But yeah, the gauntlet cupboard is is still full. So come at me, guys. uh, At (laughs) Aton Crowley, come come at me. Find fault with me, and I'll I'll hit you with a big gauntlet in your face. This has been No Bad Ideas, produced by Gabrielle Urbina, Sarah Shackett, and Zach Valenti. Many thanks to our patrons for their partnership in making this show happen. And a special shout out to our idealist members, Jennifer Schneider, Rena Sarame, and Rebecca Allen. Today's episode features music by State Shirt and Jazar from freemusicarchive.org. You can support the show at nobadideaspodcast.com slash support. And if you love this show, please leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Thanks.